All right, guys. So for this podcast, I have Nathan Kohlerman on. Um, he is a transformational guide, spiritual counselor, addiction recovery visionary. Um, you can find his BitCloud at Nathan Kohlerman. Um, but yeah, he basically helps others uh, integrate and optimize the mind, the body, heart, and soul. Um, and he helps empower you with, with the tools to transmute the pain that you have um, and transform that into power. Um, he coaches, facilitates guys and trains professional athletes in the NFL and PGA, soldiers in the army, men's groups, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, uh, lead coaches and speakers. Um, in this conversation that we had, um, I mean, we got really deep in, in regards to, uh, to a little bit of aliens, extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrials, I believe is what it was called, uh, mushrooms, um, just meditation, chakras. It was really mind-opening for me. Um, there's still a lot more that I need to learn and, and observe on my own, but he gave a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom, and I really appreciated him coming on. So I really hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Guess we'll just get started from here. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I, guess, I guess we could start off with this. Um, do you mind explaining uh, a little bit more about your company? A new intention, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so I originally started the brand to redefine human optimization through mind, body, and soul. And initially starting out as a holistic and health and wellness business actually has evolved over the last several years into healing a lot more through around trauma, overcoming addiction, overcoming adversity, and healing for from the inside out being able to shift the mind being able to understand our emotional states better being able to optimize our body and also how to purify and cleanse and heal from a soul level mm -hmm. so that way what i'm doing is i'm essentially educating empowering and elevating others to help them understand their potential right to help them remember the power and the potential that they carry in which at one point in time they may have forgotten. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, I guess when it comes to that in particular, that's one of the things that really intrigued me personally that, that you help people optimize certain things such as like breath work, subconscious, their mentality. Where do you begin from all, all these things that are, that are available? Because you obviously will hit on all of these things, but how, how do you start off? How, where do you base people off of? Um, where do you see the most opportunity? Yeah, you know, the first thing is having the dialogue, having conversation and taking a unique and individual approach that would be best suited for someone, whatever they may be dealing with. Mm -hmm. And based on whatever they're experiencing, right, is how I would be able to use discernment, right, to decide, okay, well, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And based on the outcome of that, okay, that felt good, good, mm -hmm. we're moving in the right direction, let's keep moving forward. Got you. Uh, do you mind giving us some examples of maybe like certain scenarios that, that you might have had in the past or something similar of that sort? Right. So different times in the past, I had a client coming in with fibromyalgia. He wanted to get some body work done, some movements, some assessment work done. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many movements we tried, it wasn't really working. So what we did is we started implementing more breath work. We started incorporating more mindset. We started identifying, you know, where the root of the trauma is. And based mm -hmm. on that, gave him the ability to understand where in his journey he was, he was designed to start at. Mm -hmm. Got you. That's, that's really interesting. I, I guess in, in regards to people that are looking to find you, 
how I guess how do you go about advertising your business? Um, is it maybe like all through social media, or do you have like a reputation like in your city? How, how does that go? Yeah, so I have a more of a reputation here. I'm kind of known as the movement guy here. Uh-huh. And I think I found you on Clubhouse actually. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I've been transitioning, right? Mm-hmm. So I went from like the movement and the mobility and animal flow dude to now more so working with the subconscious mind, working with breath work, going doing more of the psycho spiritual work, mm-hmm. and that's been seen more through social media, through Clubhouse, mm-hmm. and then being able to really start unfolding and start redefining mm-hmm. you know my position as well so i've got a lot of things going right now a lot of the engagement and exposure was through like podcasting okay it's been through conversations word of mouth just like mm-hmm. i'm literally all over the place all the time <laughs> yeah just like talking to people meeting people here 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 and mm-hmm. it's like as a natural introvert it's like really interesting to me because yeah. i've found a way to thrive in these environments without exhausting myself in a way mm-hmm. It's, it's so like, a lot of it's just through connections and connecting to people. So it sounds like it's like that that work smarter, not harder type of mentality, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. Uh, well, let me ask you this as well. I guess when I haven't really realized how important breath work is until recently, um, and I guess that started with uh, with uh, listening to Wim Hof. I'm sure you know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess kind of understanding how powerful the mind is because obviously i've heard the the mind is powerful but i didn't know to how extent to the fact that you can pretty much defy what most people would um i guess typically do under like maybe um cold temperatures right i guess when when it comes to breath work how do you how do you guide people to it what 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 do they gain to or hope to gain from breath work i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah, and there's a lot of different techniques and a lot of different modalities, Wim Hof being one one of them, mm-hmm. holotropic being another one, uh, medium breath work, just one of the primary ones that I use. You know, we have alternate nostril, uh. and, you know, box breathing, and it, and it more so depends on, you know, what this person's trying to attain. Mm-hmm. If they want to attain more of a, like a psychedelic experience or a higher realm, higher state of consciousness, mm-hmm. we can use holotropic or medium breath work. We can even achieve that through Wim Hof. And then we can actually start using different, you mm-hmm. know, techniques during that time, whether it's pulling energy up to, from the perineum up, to, up into the pineal, mm-hmm. or, you know, if this person is just wound up and super tense and super tight, yeah, that could help in terms of a somatic release, but also, maybe just use of utilizing alternate nostril breathing or pranayama breathing breath of fire something of that nature mm-hmm. to start down regulating the nervous system right it's mm-hmm. a, it's an individual's experience it's an individual's need and necessity for what is required in the moment mm-hmm. so if i notice someone is a little bit more tense or uptight or if they have you know a hard time or difficult time i should say relaxing mm-hmm. right i'm going to be using more of a breath work that's more best suited for that if someone is holding a lot of pain and tension in their body, then I'm going to move towards more of the uh, the Wim Hof method or something of that nature. But it really is dependent on what somebody's currently experiencing mm-hmm. and what is the intent of the breath work? Who's it for? Right. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we should be asking with everything that we use. Right. What's mm-hmm. the intent that I'm using this and who is it for? If this exercise is intended to you know, help my back feel better. Right is this designed for the person? Do I have the prerequisites before I do this exercise? And same thing goes for breath work, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we have uh, mental, psychological, and also physical uh, symptoms and ailments mm-hmm. that also signify what might be happening underneath. 
Got you. Um, in in regards to like, let's say I have me personally, like I have a hard time sleeping, right? I have a lot of pain uh, stored like on my feet and in my palms. What would you recommend? What kind of breath work would you say? Because that's been my issue for the longest time. I'm like, I, I like, I try to like undo my hands because I, I know I have tension, but like most of the time I realize like my hands are clenched and I'm like, I have to like fight to like let go. So that way, like I'm in a semi relaxed state. I'm like, I could be doing this smarter, but I, I haven't done it yet. So I, I am curious on your thoughts on that. Maybe like a weekly or monthly practice of holotropic breathing and then before bed, just going and running through nasal box breathing, I would say. Mm-hmm. I'm I am definitely gonna look on that on YouTube because I'm like I, th- I think it's mm-hmm. important because I'm like I I know that it's it affects like the quality of sleep like I can't go through like a night's like sound sleep as opposed to before I'd, I'd knock out for like eight ten hours not even realize that I was knocked out but now I'm like I waking up like every hour it's just like it's just like it's just really annoying for me personally but when uh, I guess aside from breath work as well. Um, when it comes to subcon- subconscious thinking, I know that's really hard to, um, I guess, to manipulate, but I, I know there's ways. I mean, I'm sure there's just constantly thinking in your conscious mind. You can you can kind of give a, a some pull towards that. But how do you I guess, how do you achieve something like that? What's what's the goal of that? So in reframing the subconscious mind, mm-hmm. I found that it's a lot through language. Okay. Right? And this is what. NLP talks about all the time with the neurolinguistics programming is that our words create the reality. And if we can start articulating ourselves and choosing our words more carefully, mm-hmm. right, that's actually how we're processing and then excreting information from the body, then how we define things and how we perceive things dictates the intensity in which we experience them. Mm-hmm. So if we can start developing a more of an awareness around what things around us, how they make us feel, where is the sensation in my body? What would I name this? How would I define this? What does this mean to me? Mm-hmm. It helps over time as we start integrating the newfound definitions that we can start reframing the process. It's the air method, become more aware, integrate, and then reframe. And that's really what it's about. And a lot of the times too, this is why I use a lot of work in terms of storytelling and archetypes. Mm-hmm. We all have narratives, we all have stories, we all have journeys and paths of our existence. Now, what are the characters at play? What parts of us within us are deep rooted in nature that give us a perceptual knowledge of how we're showing up in the world and where are the misalignments located? Where are these shadows that we can't see and how are they demonstrating themselves and showing up Mm -hmm. that are resulting in relationships that are resulting in our businesses that are resulting in our health and our wellness what what are some common misalignments that you that you've seen in people? I'm sure there's there are some patterns or some structure in regards to like certain similarities, and obviously it's not like a one case fits all. But what's something that you've noticed on your end? Boundaries. Boundaries. Okay. Simply speaking, right? Because it's like people talk about boundaries all the time, uh-huh. but when you look at boundaries and the fundamental aspects of boundaries and why we don't uphold them, maintain them, or enforce them, mm-hmm. we start seeing that there is conditioning around that there is how we were raised in childhood there's if we really want to go deep we can start exploring what experiences did we experience in a past lifetime what experiences do we have in parallel lifetimes that are occurring at the exact same time in the Mm -hmm. quantum and through more normal interactions here in this life that we're Mm -hmm. experiencing when we don't enforce boundaries or maintain them or speak them clarify them Mm -hmm. to other people there's normally some 
residual or subconscious fear there. Mm-hmm. There is a fear of being rejected. There's a fear of not being accepted more so I should mm-hmm. say. There's a fear of loss. There's a fear of not having control. There's a fear of vulnerability, right? Cause mm-hmm. you can see where I'm going here is that there's always something underneath why we're doing the things we're doing or why we're not doing the things we're doing. Mm, And once they become distortions, once they become issues that we are experiencing, those are just the significations or the, uh, those are just the signals that point out the significations of what might be happening underneath. Got you. Um, I guess let's, let's go back to this really quick because it's something that I've always been curious into but i've never personally looked into it so i guess we can take advantage right now um i guess in regards to um looking back in uh, to your previous lives um i mean what do you know about that what do you feel about that just for someone that like i said for me i have no experience i'm looking to gain a little bit more insight as to that yeah so you know i've always had something there with not wanting to commit and not having the underlying fear of the feminine of women Hmm hurting me or betraying me mm-hmm. or abandoning me. And when I did a past life regression exploration, I found that in a past lifetime, you know, it moved in three sequential parts. And that first part, you know, I was dating and, you know, I wasn't really ready to commit, but then I dishonored my own agreement. And therefore then I committed and got into a marriage within that marriage. I started cheating. And within, once I started cheating, what happened was later in that lifetime is that my wife at the time and all the women that I was cheating with, I was cheating with actually killed me. So mm-hmm. that pain and that experience carried forward and started creating karmic ties and karmic lessons attached wow. to it to where in this lifetime I've experienced this fear of commitment. I've experienced cheating in relationships once mm-hmm. I am in commitment. Mm-hmm. And then I've experienced having multiple women at the same time attacking me, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be verbally, mentally, emotionally, energetically, to where I'm actually recreating this loop, right? Through different lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And that's how it kind of shows up in my life personally. Mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting. How does one go about recollecting previous experiences um, from, um, I guess, previous lifetimes to, I guess, to the present? How, how are you able to get in tune with mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I mean, it's a past life regression and it can be achieved through meditation because we have this information stored in our DNA, right? We have this information stored in our spirit Mm -hmm. and it's once we can start accessing and moving into those realms and start practicing and becoming more proficient with it, we can access this, right? And this Mm -hmm. is something that I can use as a medium Uh is a specific meditation, a specific Mm -hmm. intent on how to actually guide people through this experience, through this journey, so that way mm-hmm. they can come to this realization and they can have the experience of going back into this timeline themselves. Mm-hmm. That's really crazy because, I mean, in, in regards to meditation, I know there's so much you can achieve, so much potential. Um, I wouldn't put it past it that you're able to achieve something like that. I guess when you first were able to process that, unlock that from your DNA, how did you feel? I mean, that must have been really intense, I, I would assume. It wasn't as intense as it was informative. Okay. It really made me realize that all these narratives that I had played and all these causes that I associated to conflicts within this life, within this past, mm-hmm. weren't necessarily the root. Because when we look at pain and we look at dysfunction, when we look at 
subconscious beliefs, narratives, stories, rackets, constant complaints that never seem to change, there is the consideration that did I actually enter my life with this already? Mm-hmm. So it gave me an awareness and a realization that all this time I've been trying and intently focusing and trying to heal the wounds that were only superficial to the much deeper ones, if that makes sense. It's like I was taking at the top of the weed rather than the root. Got you. Okay. That's really interesting. So how in regards to your meditation, uh, meditating journey, how long did it take you to, to achieve that? Because obviously that's not something that can be achieved right away. You must've been in a really, um, a really deep state to have been able to access that. Yeah. I mean, I've been dabbling in this, right. And I don't follow the traditional norm of meditation. Like, yes, sitting in meditation is great, but it's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. It's not this, you know, I'm levitating over a rock with my mudras and meditating <laughs> and everything else. You know, uh-huh. it doesn't always have to be that way uh-huh. because when our brain enters a certain state, the theta state, mm-hmm. right, we can start accessing this information. I can get it through movement. I can get it through driving. I can have it in the shower. Deep contemplation, deep reflection is really where these things start showing up. And it was through psychedelics. Mm-hmm. It was through breath work. It was through traditional meditation. It was through movement. It was through the self-expansive journey that I've been on for mm-hmm. so long that I've been able to tap into these different states and understand now where I'm at, how to go through that. But it was when I went through my mediumship, when I got trained as a medium by mediums, and when they took me through this technique so that way I could learn it and then teach it and guide it, mm-hmm. right? It's when I went through this experience that I was I was induced into that <laughs> state because that is what I was being guided on. It was a specific guided journey to get to there, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's so cool. I mean, I guess going to this as well. How does one make sure that they're on they're on a path that's correct? Because I, I I would assume there are some people that that don't really guide you there with intent, right? Or I mean, or or they don't ever help you unlock your full potential. Like you're like I guess for for like the the starter for like me in particular, right? People will probably use like the Calm app or or go on YouTube. What would be the most I guess, uh, how do I say, I guess like the more true state or, or the or the best path to be on to achieve the best potential, I guess. There is no best path. Okay. There's no right path. There's no wrong path. Mm-hmm. There's no worst path. Because when we look at it from that place, we're acting from duality rather than unity. So when people are embarking on their paths, right, as you had mentioned, mm-hmm. If the Calm app works for you and that's where you're at, fine. If YouTube's where you're at, that's fine. Mm. But it's practicing discernment and checking in with yourself while you're participating in these tools, techniques, methods, and modalities and checking in with yourself. Mm. Is this aligned with where I'm currently at or am I feeling as though I'm having to do this for other reasons, other intents, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I say like it's not this very like – esoteric type of thing right we can we can approach this in the best way that we know how in the moment Mm -hmm. knowing trusting and having faith Mm -hmm. that whatever is meant and designed for us in that Mm -hmm. moment will be provided right Mm -hmm. and whether that's meditation or anything else but yeah practice discernment if you don't feel aligned Mm -hmm. and if you don't believe the things that people are teaching or showing or guiding you with then that's your decision ultimately but if you like what somebody's, you know, sharing with you, mm-hmm. if you appreciate the guidance that's being provided 
And if it resonates with you, and if you find truth in it, then that would be what's aligned. That's what would be in that moment, right for you in the moment in which you're sitting. Got you. Um, when it comes to meditation, what are some things that that you've achieved other than that in particular in regards to being able to get the experience from your previous life? Because I have heard of old sayings, whether they be whether they be true or not. I've I've heard of people just letting go of their attachments. I've heard of people floating, and I don't know if that's bullshit or not. Um, I don't know where that falls into reality and and just wherever but i have heard those stories and i'm very open-minded so i'm I'm, all, I'm always super curious when it comes to stuff like that uh, and then i've heard of stories which i know we all have of people not eating for 30 60 days and only having water and it should be impossible but it's really not and that's been proven at, at that at, at the least with that uh, I guess where do you stand on that I, or what are some of the things that you've heard because I'm I am extremely curious when it comes to that yeah I mean you had mentioned it when you first said that you know everybody has a story mm-hmm. everybody has an idea everybody has their own reality mm-hmm. right their perception of what happened to them in that moment and the thing is there's not a there's not a linear process to this mm-hmm. right that's the beauty of the, the meditation is it, it's mm-hmm. the self-exploration journey it's being able to observe one thoughts observe one feelings observe consciousness and what it's really doing what it's providing and it's mm-hmm. being able to also tap into that and being able to access different lenses that we can start focusing through right mm-hmm. and if you feel that you're floating then you're floating if you feel like you're going to another dimension you're going to another dimension if you mm-hmm. feel like you're going into a past life or if you're releasing attachments that is whatever process is necessary for the individual experience. And I'm really, really cautious when I even teach and lead meditations is that, mm-hmm. you know, what I would rather do and what how I would guide a meditation is to allow someone to experience themselves through the guidance system, right? Mm-hmm. Explore themselves through the guidance, through the meditation. And if I'm leading it, if I'm guiding it, if I'm articulating it in a way, that leads them onto a path, there may be, again, a specific intent. If I'm taking somebody through a chakra balancing meditation where they are accessing their own fields mm-hmm. and I'm just walking them through the process, then so be it. We can clear our chakras. We can access our past lives. We can heal our bodies. We can do so much through meditation. It's just, again, coming back to those two questions, right? Mm-hmm. What's the intent? Who's it for? And, and, and what are we getting out of it? Right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, it, it makes perfect sense. And I, and I wanted to hear your opinion on this, actually. Why do you think those teachings are getting pushed away? Why do you why do you think we rely on medicine so much when the mind is so powerful when we can actually achieve those things? Because I feel like I feel like most people are like, oh, like that's bullshit. And I'm like, no, it's really not. You can actually do a lot of things. Uh, the mind is so fucking powerful. And their experiences like Wim Hof, they're. There are so many people that have healed themselves from stuff like cancer, like with just the just with your own mind. And it's absolutely insane. But why do you think that keeps getting shoved aside uh, uh, the more that our, our future progresses, I guess? Well, first and foremost, we weren't taught these things. Mm-hmm. We weren't shown these things in school. People don't talk about these things. So we were conditioned to think that we don't have them. So we therefore forgot mm-hmm. that these things are available at all times. And that's really the biggest block. And mm-hmm. it's coming back to remember that we do have these innate capabilities within us that we can start accessing once more, mm-hmm. you know? 
do you like, think that's, that's why they're not taught do you think that's done on purpose um to push us away from that you know conspiracy theories set aside i think that if people were to step fully into this mm-hmm. and if everyone were to remember that they had this mm-hmm. then the current systems we have in place would be collapsed do you believe that well if we knew how to do that what need would we have for a medical system ah. what need would we have for the pharmaceutical industry what need would we have for politics yeah all sovereign beings mm-hmm. where we didn't rely on anything or anyone to tell mm-hmm. us what to do mm-hmm. Con- conspiracy me would would say that i believe that it's pushed away for a reason i really i really do believe that i've always had like this innate feeling i'm like i've even as a kid i've always been like get that medicine shit the hell away from me like well i'll, I'll try like I, i'm not anti-medicine anti-vac i'm not of that sort like don't get that wrong for most people that are listening because a lot of people are either like it's either this or that and i'm like no if it's really bad or i'm in a certain condition like don't get me wrong i'll take it but that's just the last resort you know because i in regards to like certain medicine like you were saying i'm like it to me at the end of the day it's a business what are they going to do they're going to try to keep their clients they're going to try to get that retention and i've always been very skeptical as a kid and i and then like you were mentioning like it's not taught in our everyday system our everyday life and i'm like that's so crazy because that's taught in a lot of other cultures and we're not and i'm like i feel like there's so much power and meaning behind that when when it comes to chakras i really don't know anything i think if i'm right there's seven chakra points is that correct or is there more than that? yeah underneath that system i use a 12 chakra system though Okay. What's the difference between the seven and the 12 point chakra system? So the 12 point chakra system factors in the causal chakra. It factors in the, um, the black star, right? The earth chakra. And it also factors in the ninth through the 12th, which are the psychic senses. Okay. Got you. So Mm -hmm. in, in regards to, I, I don't even know if this is correct. So forgive me, but I guess on to, Cleaning out your chakras, I guess, unclogging what you have in you. How do, how does one go about doing that? What what are the ones? What are the chakra points that you need to focus on? Uh, I would assume mentally, right? Because I, I I know just the bare bare minimum, and these are topics that I've been wanting to research, and and hence why I wanted to get you on here as well. Yeah, and I mean, again, it, it all kind of depends on intent, right? Yeah. Because when you look at you know, the, the chakra system I'm referring to that, that like 12 chakra system, Mm -hmm. right. We have to understand that, you know, when we're working with the, you know, the, the, the earth chakra, the earth star, Mm -hmm. right. It's going to be completely different than the causal or the auric field. Right. We don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to work with those two, but when we work with the seven in which we're clearing, right, we have the root, which is your security, it's your stability, it's your identity. We have the sacral, which are desires and addictions. We have our solar plexus, which is our intuition, our creativity. We have our heart, which is our love. We have our higher heart, which is actually where we hold Christ consciousness. It's not associated with seven, but it is there. We have our throat, right? So we have our expression, we have our truth, we have our third eye, we have our wisdom, our knowledge, our intellect, and then we have our crown, our connection to source. Mm -hmm. So depending on where we might feel blocked, let's say we have uh, a block with addiction, 
right? Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to start working on clearing out and also work on balancing, right? The best we can, I should say, mm -hmm. to that area, right? Whether it's through energy work, whether it's through meditation, right? Maybe we start eating more um, orange foods. Maybe we start working with colors. Maybe we start working with sounds, vibrations that are associated, right? We can start using uh, different frequencies that we can listen to, mm -hmm. right? That we can start again, culminating like our own healing experience right mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot of different methods and techniques and modalities and such but it really depends again on where is this block and even like one of my meditations that i lead goes through and it you know starts with the crown and light comes in enters the crown and then what we do is we break it apart we find what's within it we feel how it feels we see it swirling and then what we do is we put it back together in the most ideal form and solidify the change and then move down to the third eye and then so on and so forth right and you can do that through meditation like mm -hmm. i said you can eat colors of foods you can have different herbs and spices different types of smells different oils and fragrances crystals right whatever somebody wants to use right and all that is available you know you can find stuff online you can find things through teachers you can find things through you know whoever you're working with mm -hmm. That's that's really interesting. I guess when it comes to um, meditation and, and the chakras, right, is are those conjoined or are those two separate things that you work on or both? I mean, I guess the 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 intent would be, OK, well, is this person trying to be a better meditator mm -hmm. or is this person trying to identify any imbalances they have, whether it's in their body and it's expressed through pain or whether it's exposed through different experiences they're having in their life. If they're struggling through addiction, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we're going to do some sacral work, but we're also going to do some root work because the energy moves upwards, right? And when those energies move upwards, we can start seeing where the blocks are that are also limiting, you know, the above higher energy centers as we see them, or as I call them, you know, I should say. Mm -hmm. Got you. When it, uh, when it comes to um, psychedelics, how would you incorporate that into meditation or uh, or anything else in particular? I, I have yet to do um, anything. I guess I, I don't know where to start, but one of my friends has been wanting me to do shrooms for the longest time. And I'm like, all right, I'm keeping it. I'll do it. I don't know. I don't know where to do it. I don't know what like the, the most optimal place to do it would be. The, I guess the right amount. I think you said you wanted to start me off at three grams. I, I, I'm telling you, I have no knowledge in this. This is why I was like, I'm gonna get the master on. I'm like, I'm gonna try to educate myself as much as I can. And I'm sure, cause like I said, this is just so subdued in our system, which is another reason why I wanted, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that are listening that are probably in the same boat as me. So I wanted to kind of climb this ladder together in short. Yeah, the first thing I wanna say is that it's not meant for everyone. Okay. So anyone who says that you need to do this uh -huh. probably shouldn't be the one recommending it. Nothing against your <laughs> friends or anything like yeah. that. But you know, when we have an interest in something, when something calls to us, right, we should all be doing our due diligence and researching what are the benefits, mm -hmm. what are the risks, right? Do I meet the medical prerequisites for this? Do I meet the psychological prerequisites for this? Yeah. So really consulting someone knowledgeable enough, who can guide you on that path more effectively and efficiently is the first step. Mm -hmm. And when you're going to embark on using them, right? Because mm -hmm. when we use psychedelics and plant medicine, it's very sacred, right? These are not things that we should just be messing with. This is something I'm very passionate about speaking about mm -hmm. because I've seen plant medicine abused. 
I've seen plant medicine abused by individuals, mm-hmm. by communities, organizations, masterminds. And when we look at using psychedelics, we really start having, should start having to question the set, the setting, the int- and the environment, okay. right? Are we setting an intention? Is the setting, is it sacred? Is it, you know, in a place where it's conducive to what we are seeking mm-hmm. and what are we seeking, right? That's the yeah. intention. And is the environment conducive? Are we in a place? Do we feel safe? Are there people that we trust, mm-hmm. right? Is there nature? Is there, you know, a freedom to explore what is it, what it is in that moment that we are desiring? Uh-huh. So when it comes to any type of psychedelic, any type of plant medicine, whoever says that you need to try this, chances are they had a very euphoric experience. They had an amazing experience and that's mm-hmm. great. But when they say that people need to do it, right, that's basically them imposing their will or their viewpoint, their opinion mm-hmm. onto others, right? And that normally doesn't come from a harmful place. It's mm-hmm. not from a malicious place because people just want to share their positive experiences and that's mm-hmm. great. But we need to start asking the question as well. Do you meet the prerequisites? Are you in a good place? What is your intention for that? And are you and will you seek counsel and guidance from the right people mm-hmm. who can lead you on that journey? Because when we work with psychedelics, it's not just an experience. Mm-hmm. There's a preparation, right? There's a dieta. There is the experience in itself and there's the integration. And a lot of people forget that integration piece and then they have this euphoric experience and then they take all this energy in and then they just push it out, push it out, push it out, push it out, push it out. Mm-hmm. You need this and you need this and you need this and this is the experience I had, blah, 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 mm-hmm. right? But the lessons that can be acquired and learned are also lost in that process. Mm-hmm. What, what are some things that you recommend doing before you embark on a journey for that? And I guess going back to that, how, how much would you recommend um, in regards to like dosage size? Because uh, I don't know where to start. I, I feel like one or two is too little. But then again, this is someone who has no experience, no nothing. So I kind of wanted to hear your feedback on that. And should that be done in nature as well? Like uh, at least from your own personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, with my clients, it varies, varies per individual, right? You have micro doses that range anywhere from 0.1 to 0.5 grams. You have macro doses that range anywhere from 0.5 to Mm 1.5. And then you have hallucinogenic doses that go anywhere above 1.5 grams. But again, every person is different. Every body is different. Every Mm -hmm. physiology is different. And you know, it's dependent on what's calling to you, right? If you are being more called to microdose, then microdose. If you're feeling more called for a deep dive and a deep journey, then go for a deep journey. Mm -hmm. If you have any type of reservations, fears, uncertainties around the deeper journeys, yeah, probably should start with a microdose. But again, I'm not condoning the use. I'm not promoting the use. I'm not saying that people should, but if we are, then we should be properly educated, right? Mm -hmm. And again, everybody's different, right? So I don't think that it has to be done in nature. It has to be done a certain way. I'm very against how things have to be. Mm-hmm. But whatever way you feel natural doing it, whatever way you feel natural that it is calling to you in a way to use it with mm-hmm. intention and reverence and respect, it's how you should go about it. Just making sure, again, doing your due diligence, doing your research, really feeling into it and solidifying mm-hmm. and confidently, I should say, that this is exactly what you want to do and and also ensuring what is it that you want to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that question, then there are some things that are going to be presented to you that you may not have been ready to look at quite yet. 
mm-hmm. because that is really what these medicines are designed to do is to resurface and bring everything from your unconscious mm-hmm. and put it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's for the most part that, that I've, that I've heard. Um, why do you think in regards to our system in particular, we have such a bad stigma because I've heard so much more good than I have bad. And that's the only reason why even I, I agreed to doing it. I did a lot of research on it. Um, I obviously don't know everything, but m- much more good stories than bad, at least from what I've done research. Maybe I just might not have looked on the right side of the Internet, but that's what I've seen. Yeah, and I'm all for it personally. Uh-huh. I, I'm all for it mm-hmm. personally. Um, but when you see the stigma, mm-hmm. right, it's just around anything that's illegal, right? Yeah. When, and we kind of touched on this before, when there's a political system and a legal system telling us that this is bad, uh-huh. we buy into that belief, mm-hmm. right? And the belief has been there for so long after they were doing their research and studies in the seventies, mm-hmm. you know, after, you know, hearing that people will do acid and jump out of a window. It wasn't the fact that they did acid that they jumped out of the window. It's the mm-hmm. fact that they're fucking stupid. Yeah. Excuse my language. Oh, but they just were not intelligent and they probably weren't in the right environment. Yeah. Right. We're not asking those questions. We're just looking at, oh, this person here, mm-hmm. they took something, they did something. Therefore, we're going to blame it on whatever it is that was outside of them. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where the stigma lies. And there's also like, again, kind of back to like the cold conspiracy thing a little mm-hmm. bit, like, why wouldn't they want us to access higher realms of consciousness? Why wouldn't they want us to, you know, quote unquote, wake up mm-hmm. and see the things in which we're not actually looking at? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's crazy because they've done they've done a lot of studies in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And that's that's I guess that's not even a conspiracy. Essentially, that's a fact. They've done studies with mushrooms. They've done studies with uh, with acid, with LSD all these kinds of drugs and it's crazy because i mean it was uh it was a certain operate it was operation climax i don't know if you've heard of it or not um but essentially they would take people that were looking for hookers and and they would lead them into a room and then they would give them give them the stuff and then they would take it and then essentially they would observe them for a few hours and then they would just like dumb them off and and that's a fact people can look that up for for the people that are curious but so i i think they have enough knowledge as to what these things do and i think like you were mentioning i feel like it's meant to not not let us gain more perspective not be more open-minded because if there's something that i realized in this generation and hence why i started this podcast as well is that more a lot of people are quote unquote brainwashed they can think overall but there's a lot of narratives that they fall under whether they realize it or not and that's something that's scary to me and one of the things that i've really wanted to to like i said get your perspective on get others perspectives on on life it's just it's just a really weird thing um and i guess let me go back to the i guess to doing uh mushrooms as well why do why do people abuse them why do why do people go on higher dosages like it's it's like why would you do that if you can gain so much for for a much smaller dose when you can go with for it with intention like you were mentioning yeah and i would say the abuse doesn't necessarily correlate to the amount to the quantity right the abuse comes from the intent right okay are we just using this to use it are we using it because we don't feel as though we can show up as ourself are we doing this to fit in? Yeah. Are we doing this to 
essentially show a false persona or a mask of who we are Mm -hmm. because anything and this is how i classify addiction because i work very closely with addiction is that anything that enchants our sensory desires that we constantly indulge in that pulls us from our authentic self Mm -hmm. is what i consider an addiction whether that is plant medicine whether that is heroin whether that is sex or porn power control anger anything that we are constantly going to in order to cope to avoid oneself or one's feelings that disconnects ourself from ourself, from society, from source, God, universe, spirit, or from service purpose, anything that deviates and pulls us away from those things, I classify as an addiction and addiction is not a bad thing. Addiction is simply the built-in coping mechanism that each and every one of us innately has because Mm -hmm. every single one of us has some type of little addiction, whether that's the coffee in the morning, whether that's a nicotine pen, whether or not that might be a drug, whether it'll be maybe sex, something that, you know, we use to cope. We all experiencing it to some level or another, Mm -hmm. and it's not a bad thing. There's actually a lot of knowledge and wisdom within our addictions because it shows us and it presents us opportunities to make conscious choices of how we're going to cope with whatever we are currently experiencing that we're not looking at or paying attention to Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's a really interesting thing that you touched on um i mean yeah i mean when when i i guess when i was saying uh in regards to the people that are that are abusing it because you made a really good point it's it's about the intention i guess um, I've seen people, I, I don't really associate myself with these people, but I've seen people that hang out with, I guess, these people, if it makes sense, but they're like, hey, I'm going to take X amount so I can see aliens and, and shit like that. It's like, what what do you think on stuff like that? I feel like that gives it a, the community a bad name in itself, I, I would assume, but I'm, I'm not too sure. I want to hear from your opinion because you you obviously go with, with pure intentions. Were you talking more about like the aliens piece or just trying to have more of these just transcendental experiences? Mm, I guess I was referring more so to do people like those, uh, I guess, like if they want to see like aliens, right? Do they give the community a bad name in your opinion? I wouldn't say so. I mean, again, I have certain beliefs too, right? I believe extra and ultra terrestrials exist, Mm -hmm. right? There are actually, you know, actually uh, some qualifiable things out there now Mm -hmm. that would also shed some light on those things without again digging too far on the conspiracy side of things (laughs) even though i don't think it's a conspiracy but you know if people are using it with intent to see aliens then that's their intent Mm -hmm. if they want to see something in which they believe is to be there but they don't normally get to see it then that's an experience of its own that's Mm -hmm. a ceremony of its own it's somebody wants to take it to be more communal or more connected to people. Let's say if they take MDMA and go to a rave or something like that, mm-hmm. that could be a ceremony of its own. It doesn't have oh, to be like I mentioned before, these, you know, floating on top of a rock with mudras types of things. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is that positive intent. It is that specific intent. So I don't necessarily think that, you know, it's a bad name, but mm-hmm. if it becomes something that is habitual in nature or if we're using it to suppress ourselves rather than elevate ourselves, mm-hmm. that's what I consider it to be abusive because it's abusing and neglecting the self. 
right? Mm-hmm. Rather than expansing, expanding the self, rather than, you know, evolving in a way, however that might look. Again, it's not a linear trajectory or pathway, mm-hmm. right? It's a multidimensional and multifaceted approach to what we can all fully experience, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned right now um, that you believe in extraterrestrials and ultraterrestrials. That's the first time I ever heard ultra terrestrial terrestrials. What, do you mind elaborating as to what that is? Is that would that be like God or? No, with with ultra terrestrials, right? Because uh-huh. you see extraterrestrials, right? Uh-huh. They have physical bodies. They use you know vehicles for transportation, mm-hmm. right? They have advanced technologies, things of that nature. Ultra terrestrials come in the form of nobody they come in the form of not having to use any type of vehicle for transport sometimes they appear as orbs of light right we see a lot of things on the internet where they see pictures and they're like oh what's this blue orb in the background (laughs) Uh well that's what i would call an ultra terrestrial personally got you have you ever used psychedelics to get in communication or have you been in communication with extraterrestrials or ultra terrestrials from your personal experience? I don't know really if it was extraterrestrial or ultra terrestrial because I was in a different realm. Uh-huh. And it's when I smoked DMT and I underwent spiritual surgery uh-huh. and I was on an operating table and all I could see was like this bright white light because uh-huh. I thought I died. And all I'd hear these like beeps in the background and women telling me to breathe. And when I woke up out of that, I don't know if it was, you know, that type of experience or if it was uh, spirit doctors who were operating on me in that moment. But mm-hmm. when I woke up, I had, you know, the bursa that was over my T1, T2 was just gone. Mm-hmm. And that had, you know, created some some physical issues for with me for some time. And after that experience, it was completely removed. That's so interesting. Would you... This is kind of a tough question to answer, but do you think more people should try DMT? Because I, I have looked into that too. I'm not so easily gonna uh, say yes to that in particular, as I'm saying to mushrooms, like I mentioned. But I have not closed that door yet, and I feel like I'd have to, I'd have to experience more before I get to that level. Um, but what's what's your thoughts on that? I mean, DMT was the first psychedelic I ever used. Oh, really? So I jumped right off the high dive. Oh, wow. Um, but I also didn't know what it was, right? Yeah. I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't do my research. Mm-hmm. I had to go trial by error. And again, kind of circling back to what I said before, I don't think that people necessarily need mm-hmm. to do it. But I do want to note that we all innately have access to DMT through breath work because DMT, dimethyltryptamine, is released from the brain when we're born, when we die, when we sleep. And we can actually release DMT through psychosomatic breath work so through holotropic oh, breath work wim hof breath work depending on the intent mm-hmm. and the technique that we use right pulling energy from the perineum up to the mm-hmm. pineal gland we actually have access to unlock it naturally and ha- induce these psychedelic states mm-hmm. through our breath i think that's absolutely a fucking trip yeah i when i read upon that i i didn't really know how to feel um i guess it's that and on the back of toads or frogs right is that is that accurate that's the 5-MEO off the Sonoran toad. Okay. That's a completely different medicine. We don't we don't generate that. Oh, okay, got you, got you. Yeah, it, it's been some time since I looked it up, but I believe it was 
but I, I just remember being really thrown off when, um, I guess, when we produced that. But I guess going uh, back to the breath work, so how much do you think we can produce through a really intense meditation session? Because there, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's dependent on the individual, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's going to push themselves to a different limit. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think I'll answer that one. What's the farthest you've gone on to that limit in regards to a meditation? I mean, I'd go through some pretty deep stuff. I mean, one of the modalities that I use gateway heart healing it's about 45 minutes of continuous breath work okay. of that type of breath work. And <laughs> I have reached some pretty intense experiences. Mm-hmm. I've even felt the trauma from, that I sustained from within the womb at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was able to release a lot of things through that practice, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a meditation or a modality, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I've had some pretty, pretty intense experiences, whether it was through DMT, whether it was through breath work, gateway heart healing, whether it was through any of these modalities that have kind of dove in, I've gone really, really deep. What has been the most noteworthy vehicle, um, or psychedelic that, that you have used up to this day? And what has that taught you personally or got you to experience? Honestly, and I shouldn't have said DMT was my first psychedelic. I wasn't counting all the MDMA that I did back in the day, but uh-huh. I would say MDMA because with MDMA, it really taught me what love could feel like mm-hmm. to an extent. Like I'm constantly redefining love. Even now with where I'm at presently, I find myself redefining what it is to be in love and of love Mm -hmm. and how I approach that, how I implement and integrate that. But if it weren't for MDMA, I probably would have been a very, very angry person because I had never really known love growing up. Mm -hmm. I used to hate people, honestly. Mm -hmm because I was in that much pain and I had that much resentment towards him humanity. Mm-hmm. And it was through MDMA in which I actually experienced connection to people. I actually experienced connection to myself, connection to my body. Mm-hmm. And I could feel what ecstasy felt like, right? Not the drug ecstasy, but the feeling of ecstasy. And I've never mm-hmm. felt that before. So it gave me a spectrum of emotions because if all I knew was pain, anger, or darkness on one side of the spectrum, it opened up the other side, mm-hmm. which allowed me to start seeing things from black to white, which then I could find all the shades of gray in between. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that the most common issue that you've seen with people is boundaries. Do you think the MDMA potentially helped you personally open up in regards to um, to boundaries or, or respect yourself with boundaries? Or is that something that you came across um, on your own through through your own path of life? I mean, that's something I came through with my own path of life and mm-hmm. I, I see it every day and I'm still working on it, mm-hmm. right? There are still times that I find myself in conversation wanting to offer unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. There's times in conversation where uh, I will want to ask something without consent, right? Or I'll want mm-hmm. to talk to someone about something a little bit more heavy without the consent and seeing where their capacity is. Like I find myself there and I, I feel the thought coming in, but mm-hmm. like because I'm aware enough, I can ask before I even think about, before I act upon that, that, hey, do you have the space for this or no? No? Okay. 
I respect that boundary. Let's, you know, talk maybe at a later time when you do. And can we agree on that? Yes, cool. Now I can exercise that with myself, right? And it's just been my own journey that's kind of unfolded that. Got you. What's been the biggest thing that's helped you personally get better with boundaries? Because like you were mentioning, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even for myself in particular, that's always been like a hard thing uh, up until recently. I wouldn't even say I'm fully there yet, but it's a lot better as opposed to before because I would let people, I guess, abuse me emotionally, I guess, um, just walk over me and I guess just accept toxic behavior and so forth. And I think that's that's really detrimental um, in in regards to who people are. So is there any experience you can kind of give me on that? Yeah, I think the greatest lesson of all boundaries is consent, right? Mm -hmm. Giving ourselves consent, giving ourselves permission, Mm -hmm. right? And also asking and receiving consent before we cross someone else's boundary, Mm -hmm. right? Without, again, like I mentioned, the unsolicited advice or the invasive questioning, right? Mm -hmm. Because if somebody doesn't have the availability, then, you know, we're seeking it more so for our good rather than thy good the good of all right mm-hmm. got you yeah no that that makes perfect sense um i, I just want to thank you so much for your time I, I have one last question before i let you go man um this is something to ask all all um all of my guests but what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received mm. i would say that the best piece of advice i've ever received is that everything you desire is on the other side of pain That's actually really interesting. I mean, I, I think you're correct because anything with anything great, there's always going to be risk. I mean, you can't get around it. You have to pay your dues one way or another, whether that be mental, physical, labor, whatever it, it might be. I mean, that that's a really good insight. I mean, thank you so much for your time, Nathan. Um, where can people go ahead and follow you? Yeah, man. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank mm-hmm. you for your time. And I appreciate this very much. I saw a lot of reflections of myself and it had a lot of amazing reminders too that I needed today. So with that being said, people can find me on almost every social media platform mm-hmm. at Nathan Kohlerman, Instagram, Clubhouse. I'm spending a lot of time there, as you know, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook. My TikTok is the movement medium. Mm-hmm. Trying to get a little bit more into that. And then people can go to my website, www.newintention.com. That's N-E-U, intention.com. Awesome. That's where people can get a hold of me. And I'll make sure to go ahead and put your Instagram and all that and your website onto the bio. Uh, and thank you so much for educating me on, on these topics because I know it's so foreign and I obviously have my own due diligence to do, but this is something that I've been meaning to get to. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. Of course, Jesus. All right, take thank care, you. Man.